0: I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all that
1: bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm
0: free. On your mark, get set. Get set. Welcome to Now Playing's Fast and Furious Retrospective Series. It's gonna be an all time of the night. Bet you're gonna enjoy this. Hosted by Arnie.
1: Look, man, I don't just think outside the box. I tear it up.
2: It's my thing.
0: Stuart. You're the last person in the world I expected to show up. And Jacob. Like it or not, you and your friends are a part of it now i don't have friends i got family these podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers harsh language and incentive to drive beyond the posted speed limit i'm gonna do it without sex. <laughs> listener discretion is advised only live once let's do it talking over the race
1: Race. Today we're reviewing Fast and Furious, starring Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster, Gal Gadot, directed by Justin Lin. This is Arnie, the now-playing co-host that's 20% angel, 80% devil.
2: Stewart in LA, and this is the host who likes a girl that's not afraid to get some engine grease under her fingernails. Jacob,
1: and here we are at a movie that I don't think anyone expected to happen. Because Tokyo Drift drifted right off that cliff and down.
3: Unfairly, but yes, it looked like the last of a franchise. It looked like the next Karate Kid for all intents and purposes. But hey, they made a reboot of the Karate Kid. And I think that's what they're making here, right? They get the band back together and make a true sequel to the first one. This feels in some ways like Too Fast, Too Furious.
2: Oh, it feels like it in a lot of ways. (laughs) Yeah, well, yes. Plot 2. Yeah, this is too, too fast, too, too furious.
3: <laughs> yes, it's fast and furious.
2: Yeah.
3: I would almost say they'd want us to forget about the last two, but there are
1: things here to remind us.
2: I don't know if they're necessary things, but we'll discuss it. Right.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things. I have two theories. One is what they've posited on the commentaries on the DVD and everything. And then there's my own theory of what went down behind the scenes. What they say is after Tokyo Drift only got... About $62 Less than half the second lowest grossing in the franchise. They decided to, if they could get the original cast back together, do a final film and send it off on a high note. This was to be the last of the franchise. They got everyone back for a last hurrah. Now, because we're coming up on our review of Fast and Furious 7, we know that they didn't stick to that. But that was the stated intent behind getting everyone back. My personal thinking, Vin Diesel's career had started to slump. Paul Walker's career, I don't know if it
2: ever got out of first gear. Does he have anything outside of this franchise?
1: Not that I really was aware of. I'd see him in stuff, but- He was in
2: some French parkour film that they released (laughs) posthumously. Yeah. I don't think that he was uh, an actor
3: in high request.
1: Michelle Rodriguez had gone through a rough time having been fired from Lost and- having domestic abuse charges levied against her by her girlfriend.
3: (laughs) I don't mean to laugh at that. It really is not funny. But I, the portrait you're painting here is amusing to me. It's basically, yes, everyone had been severely humbled here. And this was as good as it was going to get for them.
1: Yeah, so I think getting the cast back together was actually fairly easy at (laughs) the point. Yes, they were fast and
3: furious to going for a paycheck.
1: Of course, the big... Ku was probably getting back Jordana Brewster, right?
3: <laughs> she was so busy with Texas Chainsaw prequels.
1: Yeah, she, between Texas Chainsaw The Beginning and Fast and Furious 4, she has no credits. <laughs> she probably was thinking about shooting darts into Best Buy drivers. <laughs> She'd done a couple episodes of Chuck. So yeah, my personal belief is this was the let's get the gang back together and get our careers and the franchise back on the right track.
3: Yeah, I don't know about budgets or what they put into this or expectations or anything, but I can say this. It looks like all the money they had they put on the screen. It didn't go for perks and behind-the-scenes stuff. This easily looks like the most expensive Fast and the Furious movie yet.
1: They didn't cheap out. They made a budget of this one of more than the last one made. The last one made 62. They budgeted 85 for this.
2: They had to feel a little better knowing that Vin was coming back, knowing that they were getting a lot of the old cast back. I mean, that I would figure they'd be willing to put a little bit more money in, even though that Tokyo Drift didn't do so well, knowing who was coming back to it. I mean, was that, that that had to be heavily advertised, right? Like, Vin's coming back. Like, he had to be all over the trailers. I don't know, because I wasn't into this franchise.
1: This feels to me, there's so many franchises that go this way, where, I mean, even from the title, it is like they're trying to forget that they'd done other sequels. This was like Universal Soldier The Return, right? When you have those franchises that go down a dark path and often even direct to video, and then you get the stars back... Kind of like Halloween H2O after all those other Halloween sequels. Here it is, and they're like, this is the real sequel you've been wanting since that first film. Which, by this point, I mean, you got to keep in mind, was
2: eight years old. Mm. In Spider-Man terms, it was almost ready for a reboot.
1: (laughs) Well, it had only been three years since Tokyo Drift. But yeah, they didn't have the installments of this franchise coming out. So regularly during the first decade, it was 2001, 2003, 2006, 2009.
3: Well, the only returning player I'm actually excited about is Justin Lin. I thought he did a good job with Tokyo Drift. I felt like he was given an impossible task to make a sequel that bared almost no resemblance to the previous installments. And he surpassed them. He left them in the dust. So that is what has me encouraged as I come back. Vin coming back, Paul Walker coming back, these are not things I'm happy to. To see, but Justin Lin at the wheel. I think this could be an opportunity to give those stars a good a movie
1: as last week's was. It's also the same writer from Tokyo Drift. This is the same writer who wrote three, four, five, six, and the upcoming seven. They have. A consistent screenwriter here, although I understand the writer from the original did do a ghost edit.
2: This felt more in tone with Tokyo Drift, even though all the old players are coming back. I did wonder if it was the same writer, because while... You know, I didn't recommend that film. I I think it was more successful than the the other ones, bringing in uh, just more of a dramatic aspect. It wasn't a point-break rip-off. And so, yeah, I think this one is going to kind of carry that tone over, too. It's going to cover some of that old ground, like we said. This is, in my opinion, a remake of Too Fast, Too Furious, but it's going to bring in those positive elements of Tokyo Drift.
1: Well, like Too Fast, Too Furious, the DVD and Blu-ray release of this had a prequel film... The last one on Too Fast, Too Furious showed what happened to Brian O'Connor between the films. And so there had to have been some assuaging of egos to allow Vin Diesel to write and direct a
3: 20-minute
2: short film. (laughs) 20 minutes, wow.
3: Wow, I was not going to make the same mistake twice (laughs) after that useless Brian prequel where he's stopping in cafes and ordering pies and winking at waitresses. I did not watch this film.
1: What a mistake you made. Because you would be right here ripping on it with me. (laughs) (laughs) You think Vin Diesel can't act? You should see him direct (laughs) what he's really bad at. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened here. It honestly feels like they grabbed a DSLR and just used on-camera audio. The sound is miserable. They have Michelle Rodriguez in it for like five minutes. They got Han in it. He's in it for a good five minutes. It's basically explaining why they're stealing gas. They're down in the Dominican Republic. They're living amongst the poor people who need gas or they're going to die. I I don't know why they're going to die, but they cannot live without gas. They don't need it for heat. It's hot down there. But it makes this opening heist of this movie a Robin Hood thing. They're stealing gas to give to the poor.
2: It really, well, okay. I, I just assumed they were like selling it on the black market because, you know, gas, you get money for that. I thought they
3: needed to fill up their tank. I mean, do you see the wastefulness of their going at high speeds in this movie? Their mileage must suck suck. I mean, yes, there's just no I don't care if they are driving civics. This is going to be a real gas guzzler the way they're treating that car.
1: Yeah, so this is absolutely horrible. The only thing I can expect is that Vin Diesel, he and Michelle Rodriguez, if you believe the bonus features, really did hook up for a while after Fast and Furious 1. Maybe Vin wanted to rekindle the flame because he gets to make out with her for like five minutes of this 20-minute short. (laughs) But no, Total not recommend, and I never, ever want to see Vin behind a camera again. I understand he did some TV stuff on a TV series that he produced about a bouncer, so something he brings personal knowledge to. That was his pre-Hollywood gig was a bouncer, but man, maybe he just wasn't given enough budget, but it feels like a student film without a boom mic.
3: Well, that's why it's a bonus feature and not the beginning of this movie. I think uh, we can enjoy the quote-unquote plot of this movie without having to hear any superfluous Vin Diesel-directed prequels. Arnie, why don't you give us the story? We can get into this.
1: In the years since the original The Fast and the Furious film, the one that had articles... Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto and his racer girlfriend Letty, played by Michelle Rodriguez, have been hanging out in the Dominican Republic, racing cars, and returning to their old tricks of hijacking moving semi-trucks. Because it worked out so well last time. But now they're doing it with help from Tokyo Drift racer Han. We'll definitely be discussing Han. We'll probably talk about him more than he's actually in the film. (laughs)
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) As well as two new henchmen, Leo and Rico. But as the U.S. law enforcement closes in, Dom leaves his crew in the middle of the night trying to keep Letty safe. But three months later, Dom is called by his sister Mia, Jordana Brewster reprising the role, and told Letty has been murdered after a car accident. So Dom returns to L.A. for vengeance. Dom finds out Letty had gotten involved with Mexican drug lord Arturo Braga. While trying to track down Braga, Dom encounters his old frenemy, Brian O'Connor, again played by Paul Walker. Brian now works for the FBI and has been investigating Braga. In fact, Letty was working for Brian undercover, infiltrating Braga's operation in exchange for immunity for her boyfriend. The two men work together, Brian also rekindling his romance with Dom's sister Mia, and while the men become drivers for Braga, they never see the drug lord, instead working directly for Braga's agents, Giselle, played by Gal Gadot, and Roman Campos, played by John Ortiz dom is seeking revenge while brian's trying to get a collar for the feds in the gang dom and brian smuggle a load of heroin over the border and then they're going to be killed by braga henchman phoenix that's f-e-n-i-x lest it be spelled correctly i thought it was phoenix
2: no it's pronounced phoenix (laughs) No, it's phoenix really yeah i spelled it the right way in my notes
1: and i've listened to eight hours of bonus features
3: i'm just happy to see laz alazano again
1: he's back from the hood
3: he was in Leprechaun? <laughs> yeah, he was the guy we never thought the main character should hook up with. The one who was always taking her out on the
2: motorcycle. <laughs> oh, was that him? It was. Oh, he has really changed. He has. It looks like he's been living in the hood.
1: And really, she shouldn't have hooked up with him because this is the man who killed Letty. Yep. Well, Dom and Brian escape, stealing the heroine and use it as collateral for an exchange with Braga. And it turns out, twist ending, Braga was Ramon Campos. And the Lord flees to Mexico to escape prosecution. So Brian leaves his badge behind and teams up with Dom to go down to Mexico, kidnap Braga, and return him to the States for prosecution. It's a high-speed chase, of course, but they do it, and Dom kills Phoenix, avenging Letty in the process. And with Braga turned in, the FBI recommends all charges be dropped against Dom, a suggestion the judge refuses outright, sentencing him to the maximum prison time with no chance for parole. So Mia, Brian, Rico, and Leo speed their cars after the prison transport to free their comrade, as credits roll. No leniency on stealing out-of-date TVs. <laughs> well, people were harmed in the process. You gotta think that once they got in the truck, they beat up those drivers.
3: Okay. It uh, hardly seems equivalent to the $600 million heroin bust that he just achieved, but hey, whatever. <laughs> It's the law, man. You can't trust the coppers. I mean, that's the balance with this series is we're basically going to find out Paul Walker went back with the FBI, that he is, quote unquote, a good guy now. But they never want us to think of the cops as the heroes. In this movie, the street racers, the ones caught in between the drug dealers and the
2: cops, they're the good guys.
1: Yeah. What happened to Roman Pierce? I thought they were going to open a mechanic shop together.
2: (laughs) This is all about trying to live by a code, and Brian, he doesn't know if that code's in the FBI. They might be just as crooked as the cops, but yeah, that's his conflict here. I want to straight-up compliment this film, though, right away. Arnie, you were excited about the opening of The Fast and the Furious. I am excited about the opening of Fast and Furious. I think this is... Much more exciting, much better. Cars flipping around, hooking up to tankers, stealing. I don't, again, why are they stealing gas? Who knows? Because they need to fuel their cars. But I like the the stunt work here. I like the action here.
1: Totally agree. It's the high point of this movie. And I honestly didn't remember this coming into it. And now that I've seen this scene where they hijack this tanker, and it's not just a one tank oil tanker. There are five trailers of oil on this thing it's like a train robbery it was never going to
3: make it around the mountain anyway i'm I'm just so happy they ought to be grateful that they came and basically had it flying and on fire over the side
1: i don't know that any action scene in the rest of this franchise is going to live up to this tanker robbery this is amazing i mean they started with their money shot what's the rest of this movie got (laughs)
2: Yeah, forget about harpoons. I love Letty. Like, they hook up to the tanker. They use, what, like, nitroglycerin to freeze the connections and smash them so they could drive off with them. This, yeah, forget harpoons and driving in there a semi. This is good stuff.
3: Yeah, uh, three for three. I, I won't use the word great. I may never use the word great in describing <laughs> this series. But yeah, definitely a, a highlight. It gets you going. You know, just being in the Dominican Republic, seeing Vin Diesel again, seeing real actors do these stunts here. It Yeah, all of it is a grabber. It It does exactly what you'd want to do. It wakes people up and reminds them what they must have liked about this series oh so
1: long ago. And it is the perfect reintroduction to Dom. I mean... It's a reprise of the opening of the first one, just done with a lot more money and a lot better results. We're no longer questioning who are these mysterious drivers in motorcycle helmets. We're seeing it's the people we know, not all of them. Some of the gang didn't come back. Vince and that other dude just are nowhere to be seen.
2: I did wonder because we're going to get to Han Han's with them. I was wondering, are they going a prequel route here? Is this before they went back to the States and that first movie happened? Because we know Han, he died in the last film. So yeah, I was a little, I was wondering what is the timeline here with this opening scene? It's a different crew besides Dom and Letty.
3: You had to think about it for a bit, but it's pretty clear here. This is happening while Brian and Roman were messing around in Florida. This is what Vin Diesel was doing. It is after uh, he was given the uh, keys to get his 10-second car away, but it is before, obviously, Han goes to Tokyo.
1: Yeah, that's what Justin Lin said on the commentary at the time, is... He wanted Han back because Vin Diesel in the last movie had said Han was family. He wanted to show that. And while it does create some timeline complications, this becomes, in effect, a prequel to Tokyo Drift. We get to see Han say he hears some crazy shits going down in Tokyo. So that would naturally lead to Tokyo Drift. But yes, our order of films is now... One, two, four, three.
3: I also think they picked a better target. I mean, yes, going after oil in 2009, we had really high gas prices. I don't think you need a bonus feature on the DVD to explain that this is a better commodity than electronic gear. I mean, it (laughs) means that they're looking like real hoods this time. I don't need them to look altruistic. I like the idea that Vin Diesel is a badass and now he finally looks like one instead of somebody that just can't cough up 50 bucks for a Blu-ray.
1: It's hard to believe how quickly we as Americans became accustomed to $3.50 gas, but in 2009, that was like a shank, and we were all so panicked about it, it makes natural sense to
2: hijack tankers.
3: Yeah, I I think it was, yes, if anything, it was playing to our own desires
2: to get at oil cheaper. And I could tell this is Justin Lin. He's coming back because what do we get after this heist? We get some booty shorts. We get some sexy dancers on top of the tanker. Like, is that how they're fueling their bonfires for these parties? I do like this aspect. This is what I thought Fast and Furious. I guess this is what Justin Lin's really going to bring to it. He's going to bring that little hint of sexiness to
1: it. Here's the funny thing. Justin Lin doesn't do that. The producers tell him it's a Fast and Furious movie. There's two things you need. Booty short women and women kissing each other.
2: Well, he has done it. Yes, I noticed a lot of lipstick lesbians in this (laughs) one. But he's done it better than the other directors then. If he's being forced to do it, he's doing it with all his heart.
1: He says that it shouldn't be done at the races because he went and researched real races and saw no lipstick lesbians and no booty shorts. Everyone was about the race. So he's added it to the party scenes to give us the pg-13 tna and
2: lipstick lesbians we
1: want he even upped it he has two different groups of three women making out with each other it's not just two women
2: (laughs) yeah i know i got the notes and all
3: the girls kissing in this film But, of course, Vin Diesel, there's only one woman for him.
1: Is there? We're going to talk about that.
3: (laughs) And he's going to altruistically give up the one woman he loves to go away because, well, he's a targeted man now, and being around her puts her in danger. No, he's totally lying. He is completely lying. He wants to go have some ass, and, yeah, I think he's done with Letty.
1: The prequel movie really screws this up because he's down there in the Dominican Republic alone, and... He's making out with two women and that's when Letty shows up and says, how can I always find you by following the smell of skanks? He's like, he keeps running from town to town and she keeps following him so he could be monogamous or something. But the funniest thing, the absolute funniest thing, I couldn't stop laughing for like five minutes after I heard this on the commentary, is Vin Diesel got Justin Lin alone and said, what's this movie about? I've read the script, but what's it about? And Justin Lin said, it's about sacrifice. Dom is basically Jesus, and Vin <laughs> loved that, and he like started bringing crosses in. So you oh, watch geez. this movie from. That's the point why he to- has
2: like a rosary around his hand all the time, or yes. something
1: no Uh. I get it it's we're gonna end up in a church
3: and being asked to be forgiven and the whole idea the whole mission really is about clearing his record yeah it's there it's the kind of thing that actors do like and honestly it sounds silly because Fast and the Furious movies don't have to be about anything for the audience to enjoy it
1: let alone about Jesus but for the actors that are
3: doing it I mean god damn if you gotta get up every day and do this
2: why not be Jesus
3: you need to believe that there's <laughs> something there to perform. I mean, if you're just muscle in a car, uh, that can't be very rewarding for somebody that was happy to walk away from the franchise. I'm glad that they made the attempt, although I scoff at the pretension that this is about anything more than, as we've called out, a spectacular opening and hot women shaking their ass to Latin music.
1: But there is good action. I mean... Dom, of course, rules with his introduction with Letty doing the robbery. But then after Dom leaves in the night, we're transported to Los Angeles again and we get a really good foot chase. I mean, I don't know why Brian doesn't get a car chase, too, but he's chasing a guy through a building with a gun. I mean, it's a pretty nice Jason Bourne wannabe scene.
2: Yeah, wannabe. It, it's a third-tier Jason Bourne. It, yeah, I did like the fact that, yeah, forget the cars, we're going to go on footwork expanding our horizons on what you could race in this film. I, <laughs> I do think that was intentional, but after that opening action scene, this, it's adequate, but it's not getting my heart pumping like it was at the beginning.
3: I think the scene is fine, but the idea that Brian has been reinstated with the FBI was something I never got over. I I was having too many problems trying to figure out why he
1: was playing cop. They really would hire him back after all of this shit he's pulled? I think that's the callback to part two, because in part two, that one agent who was the one who got him to go after that drug dealer said it's not uncommon for people to kind of get Stockholm Syndrome their first time deep cover. He did help nab that drug czar in Miami. And then he did pocket
3: some of the money to open (laughs) up something. He and Roman were going off to do something nefarious.
2: Artie, you keep saying that all these films are going to matter. I hope two doesn't matter, because I've written that one out. To me, this is the real sequel. I'm trying to reconcile anything that happens in this film with that first one, because nothing jives with that second one here.
1: Can't wait for next week to just watch your head explode like scanners. And that's the one I'm supposed to
3: really
2: like, so (laughs) now I'm worried.
3: (laughs) I don't care about continuity for a movie like this, but... Yeah, I agree with you in this much. It feels like where Brian is at in this film is where I thought I'd see him in the second one. And having seen that second movie and seeing that he was much more comfortable being a slacker that likes to drive fast cars and disobey the law, I find it strange that he'd cut
1: his hair and try to further his police career. I just love that during the foot chase... They run past an ad for the Nas Energy Drink, and I'm pretty sure Nas Energy Drink took its name from the first Fast and Furious film.
3: The snake is eating
1: its tail. It's after this chase we find out the big emotional moment. Michelle Rodriguez, she was killed on Lost, she was killed on Resident Evil, she's killed here. She cannot stay alive. Of the redemption of all this returning cast, she got almost as much screen time as Han before she's even killed off-screen.
3: Which makes me believe she's not killed. I've got to say, I spent most of the movie waiting for her to pop back up and am still, as the credits have rolled and understand that she's supposed to be dead, I believe with all my heart that somewhere in the next three films she is going to show up again with some bullshit excuse.
2: Yeah, in that plot summary, we find out that Campos is really Braga, the drug dealer. I thought that was going to be Letty, that she was going to be the one in charge. This was some ploy to get back at Dom. I'm wrong, but yeah, do we get to see Jesus Dom pull out like his psychic powers and recreate this car accident? (laughs) I guess by looking at some skid marks in the road. It's Fast and
3: Furious
1: CSI.
3: Yeah, this is some bullshit TV crap. (laughs) This is exactly what it is. TV is filled with these kinds of intuitive characters who can, like, yeah, lean down, lick a, a splotch of paint on the asphalt, and see the entire crash before them as it, like, rolls over him. Yes, he returns from his hiding in Panama City. He didn't want Letty to be there, but now that she's dead, he's going to avenge her murder... And, yeah, he is able to piece together how she was executed after her car was flipped by, I think it was the leprechaun in the hood guy.
2: By Phoenix. Yeah. Well, there's nitro meth on the ground. There's only one person that has nitrometh, And You're... it wasn't
1: Vince or the other dude from the first movie. Yeah, I think everyone has
3: nitrometh actually, in this universe. But whatever. It's... No, everyone has nitrous. This
1: is nitro meth. They're two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Sure.
3: But yes, this is basically the inciting incident that's going to bring Brian and Dom back together. It's going to take 30 minutes, but they're basically in their own way going to investigate this murder and come loggerheads uh, reunited in trying to solve her murder. This is totally baffling to me.
1: Well, I mean, we did have some lead in because he did try to date Mia before seeing Dom again. It's just like the first movie. They went to a cafe. But why would Vin and Paul Walker not
3: be friends? He got the guy off. He gave him the car to get away.
1: But he's still with the FBI.
3: Great, you can get me off next time. I I do not understand this bullshit rivalry between them. Now, now they're not
1: friends.
2: This is the whole thing. It's about a code. Brian's gonna try to find a code to live by. Dom wants revenge. Brian's got to do it by the law. I think that's why they're at odds, and that's we're gonna see that flip around by the end of this film. But yeah, You're gonna see lots of things flip around. That's true. But I like this setup. If these characters are gonna have to come together. This is a lot better than in Too Fast, Too Furious, where it, like, I like that there's motivations here, that we get a revenge story, that they're still, you know, maybe there's that bromance, but they're still at odds. You gotta have that tension. I like this setup for them to have to come together.
1: I think you need the tension for the movie, but also, it doesn't matter that Brian gave him the car at the very end. It's because of Brian the Dom got hit by a freaking semi truck too and wrecked his charger i mean
2: well it's also yeah his fault that the cops were after him in the first place he's he was a narc he was an undercover cop that ratted him out
1: yeah giving him the keys at the end is just confusing and here they you know they tried to retcon in two that he let dom go because of tyrese gibson here (laughs) they're gonna do it again (laughs) they ask him everybody's asking brian why'd you let him go he's like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that did amuse
3: me. I guess there's no really explaining it. It didn't really ever make sense.
1: Because the audience wanted that to happen. Right.
3: And that's what happens sometimes when a script gets written or rewritten. Basically, you know where you want to go, but the justifications get lost. And I feel like that's where we're at here. I don't know why these two are enemies, but you're right, Jacob, from the standpoint of where we want tension to come from, it's better that they are enemies working on the same goal. They both want to get Letty's killer. They're going to do it in different ways. And that gives us conflict. That is a good thing.
1: And I think it really pays out later because one of the big twists that comes much later into the film after these two start getting along to reintroduce the tension is that Brian got Letty killed. If it hadn't been that he inserted Letty into this drug group Letty would still be alive. Yeah, and I wanted that to
3: come early. I feel like that would have been a reason to hate each other off the top.
2: No, I I, I like it coming later. It escalates it. I get why they don't like each other. And you're saying they're going about getting this drug dealer different ways, but they're going about getting infiltrated with this gang the same way as Too Fast Too Furious. We're going to have another race to see who the best drivers could be to run drugs.
1: This is apparently how drug dealers do it. Is the <laughs> I just want their sexy GPS. That is a cool GPS, especially for 2009. I mean, but how many of us even in 2009 I was used to the Garmin going recalculating, recalculating. Yes. <laughs> That is when we finally get to really what is the only race of this movie. There was a lot of chases, but this is the only race. And it's Dom versus Brian again. And then two other people. I really think that they should just start putting these extra drivers in red T-shirts and just Star Trek it up. Because (laughs) (laughs) it's like Kirk, Spock, and two other people beam down to a planet. It's Kirk, Spock, and two other people are in a race. Who's not winning? It's strange. They made this
3: choice to make Brian an FBI agent, and I think ultimately, even though I don't buy that, I think it's the right one because it gives them a cool adventure. Fighting a drug dealer is a cooler adventure. I feel like they've outgrown the street racing thing. The fact that we have to return to the street racing, it doesn't fit in with this reboot. I mean, they don't do that anymore. The stakes are higher. I guess for the fans, they needed it, but for me, this felt unnecessary.
2: I do like that it brought it back to one this is the fallacy of now playing is I have to get involved with his continuity and and see how things in four you know make me appreciate things in one better (laughs) but I do like you know that was the beginning of Brian and Dom's rivalry is that that beginning race and I do like that is picked up here you know they they there's still that tension Dom's still winning Brian still can't beat him I like that moment so and I like that this is more of yeah it's a race but it's again it's not the 10 second drag race this is all over the city they don't know where they're going they're just following a gps they're going all through the roads weaving through traffic it's fun stuff
1: and it's the rematch between brian and dom you don't think that they're going to go to fisticuffs they eventually do but there's is never a question of who can beat up the other person who's it's a dick measuring contest with cars who is the fastest racer and even when it's done dom wins but brian says he cheated because he spins him out at the end but this is really when they stop being at loggerheads this race it's kind of like i don't know if you guys have ever had this but you ever have somebody you just have a lot of tension with and you get into a massive fist fight and afterwards you're bros because you worked it out yeah Arnie, you brought up this motif before. No, who are
2: you fighting? <laughs> no, you're so wrong, Stuart. I remember this happened in junior high all the time with me. You're getting a fight with someone, you punch each other up, and then you're like best friends afterwards. I just think that's how guys are. Like, you gain respect. You gotta measure your dicks. Yeah. And then you respect each other.
3: I think my only real problem with this scene, ultimately from it not really fitting in with the more FBI drug cartel theme of the movie is they're having this race in koreatown there is no way the traffic there is so bad the driving is so bad you will not get they're doing what how many miles in 10 seconds here there's no way they could
1: get on city streets that are not cleared it's not a 10 second race anymore they state that outright this is a much longer race
2: yeah, but these there's actually spaces in between the cars. I mean, anywhere in LA, good luck trying to have some kind of race. It's not a racing town. It's just yeah. Cars packed everywhere, but yeah.
3: It, it is amusing to think that they could race on regular streets with everybody else during, yeah, what looks like a Friday night in Koreatown.
1: Yeah. But this is also where we're introduced to two new characters. First is Giselle, played by Gal Gadot, who I keep mentioning because for Christ's <laughs> sake, she somehow became Wonder Woman.
3: Yeah, no, I kn- I knew you had to there had to be a reason for you to keep repeat. I'm like, "Who the hell is she?" Oh, I like look this up. Okay. She will be somebody. She is nobody right now, <laughs> but we will be talking about her a lot once she enters the DC superhero world in what? A year?
1: I don't know if I can deal with a Wonder Woman with such a thick accent. <laughs> I mean, that's just my problem.
2: Wonder Woman is Greek, so
1: Well, yeah, but Gal Gadot is it?
2: Yeah, it's still an accent.
1: Yeah, but I, I didn't know Wonder Woman to be Israeli, I guess. And I, I think of Linda Carter. So, <laughs> But yeah, she this is one of her first big roles. And she's here as the new love interest for Dom. He loved Letty so much <laughs> that uh, when she gives him his, her number, he seems interested.
2: Uh, I got to say, Giselle is a step up from Letty. I'll uh, give me Michelle Rodriguez any day. Yeah,
3: and I don't think he's that into this girl. I mean, he even has a speech where he describes what he likes. It's like, women with eyes. I'm like, wow, who knew? (laughs) Who knew that was Ben's type?
2: She does not want to get her fingernails dirty. And he's like, I guess you're not the woman for me then.
3: Yeah, I think that he at the very least enjoys the fact that she's crushing on him and he can turn her down. I like to believe it's because he loved Letty so much. I also just think that, yeah, he's just not into sleeping with the enemy yeah all these people are are people that he's anticipating at some
1: point having to kill right i think he only wants to kill braga i think that he's not going to kill giselle i mean later on he tries to save her life
2: he only wants to kill phoenix phoenix is the one responsible you know but
1: he doesn't know that he doesn't know phoenix at this point he wants braga why does he know anything i mean because he hung a guy out a window Okay, that's right.
2: Yes. Yeah, David Park. Both Brian and Dom get this name, David Park, who I guess is the MacGuffin to reveal the whole plot to them and tell them where to go. That's exactly
3: right. Yeah, it doesn't matter who David Park was. He's the one that helped get racers into this race, and he got them into this race, and so now the movie is about... Well, it means Paul Walker is, is not a part of the crew. He has to do something that, again, every time Paul Walker's character has a Fast and the Furious movie, he does something that makes me absolutely hate him. And here it is, the one of the known drivers is hanging out with some chicks, having a lazy Saturday morning, and he thinks it's hilarious to come in and frame him for meth. So that he can drive his car.
1: Well, I don't think this is necessarily bad. First of all, that driver was a douche. Paul Walker is a douche. (laughs) No, no, Brian (laughs) O'Connor.
2: but they have toned his character down i will give the writer credit for that this is not too fast too furious brian o'connor like i could not stand him this one is just merely passable and paul
1: walker's acting has improved to a less annoying level again they've given him less to do (laughs) i don't mind brian in this film this is the first film where brian isn't a anchor on the chain of the ankle of the film he's my least favorite main character But he doesn't suck. He is better in this film than I've ever seen him. I like his relationship and his hooking back up with Mia. I think that that is okay-ish. <laughs> and that's the best compliment yeah, I've ever yeah. given him. Okayish
3: is right. Yeah, no, I don't think this is okay-ish, but I think it's made better because, yeah, we're so happy that Vin Diesel has returned. They've minimized what Paul Walker's contribution is here. They've given him a, a lot more other people to do his work, too. You notice he's got this newbie doing all of the legwork for the police work because he'd never figure out anything. <laughs>
2: You're exactly right. The producers were, uh, the writer, whoever, give this film mostly to Vin Diesel. Let Dom carry it. Has anyone cared about Paul Walker, Brian O'Connor in this film? You know, I'm not a big Vin Diesel fan, but I'm much more interested in his side of this story than Brian's. He doesn't really have a side of the story, except he's got to be there because he's FBI and he's been in the other films. This is all about Dom.
1: No, no. But Brian's the one with a character arc.
2: I know they do that. Dom
1: starts and ends this movie in the same place. It's Brian who, he's with the FBI, but he's not one of them. He doesn't feel right. He doesn't have his code. And by the end of this movie, leaving the FBI behind and becoming the exact same kind of carjacker that he'd been chasing for three movies, counting this one, he becomes self actualized. So while he's second build, he was first build initially, but he's second build now, and I say he's second banana in this film, the arc of transformation is all Brian. You're
3: jumping ahead to the end, Arnie, but you're also presuming that we believe the cops won't hire him back next movie. I haven't seen Fast 5. It would not surprise me if he was back on the force next
1: time.
2: It will surprise me a little because I've seen the end of this film. How lax last- <laughs> do you think
1: FBI hiring standards are? He's about to break out a convicted felon. He
3: let the same guy go in the first movie. And in the second one, he did more criminal behavior than in the other two.
2: Yeah, they they have been lax, but this by the time we get to the end of this one, I think he's stepping up his game. But Arnie, I think Dom does have a bit of a character arc, too. His thing is, he's always running. He ran away at the end of the first film. He ran away from Letty. At the end of this film, he's like, I'm not going to run anymore. He's going to face prison. That was always his... He, going back to the first film, they all matter. Well, like, one matters, at least in this film. I don't want to go back to prison. That was his big thing. That's why he didn't want to get caught. He's going to accept that. He's going to take responsibility. So I think both characters do have an arc, but it's you're right. Brian has the stronger arc, which is weird because he's not the character we're really interested in.
1: Yeah, and Brian's arc is at least motivated. I see it happen. Why does Dom decide to stop running? Is it because Letty died? Is it because... Letty died. I don't know what else to give him. (laughs) We could save it to
3: try and parse out in the end, but we got the middle to contend with. They're now in the employment, both of them, of Arturo Braga. And no one has seen Arturo Braga. He's the Kaiser Sose of this movie. And so they're working with this Campos guy who's having them work for the Phoenix guy who's having them run drugs across the border in fast cars. I never knew heroin came
2: from Mexico.
1: Yeah, I kind of thought that was an Asian drug. (laughs) I think of marijuana and cocaine as coming from Mexico, but...
2: Yeah, Al-Qaeda was funded because of heroin. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a Middle East thing.
1: Apparently, though, there is some reality based on this. And you know how Mexico became a very dangerous place for tourists not long after this? A lot of the real-life drug kingpin stories that were happening around this time inspired this Braga character. So we can scoff, but Mexico was kind of undergoing some drug riots around this time due to things like this.
3: Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, definitely. I can see Mexico as a threat, but for heroin, not so much. And the whole game they're going to play here about who is the real Arturo Braga, they they do something where Brian's in the club and he sneaks upstairs and he sees Campos talking to some old man and we think... We're getting a first glimpse at at Braga. It's really important that they want us to be fooled later in the movie when Campos turns out to be Arturo. Does that really even matter?
1: Not at all. What a waste of a plot twist. Because if you're going to keep this person's secret identity then their identity should fucking matter. Like, they should be one of the FBI guys who's trying to pull Brian off the case because he's getting too close. He should not just be one of the guys out there. It shouldn't be a, you called it out perfectly with Kaiser Soze, it shouldn't be one of the usual suspects is the mastermind.
2: And I totally thought this is why it's going to be Letty. We saw Jesus Dom have a vision of her death. We, We didn't see her actual death. I thought that would have been the perfect twist. It never occurred to
3: me, but Jacob, I love it. Honestly, if they could have done that, it would. Have, this movie's uh, surprise factor would have gone up a hundred notches. I think that that would have blown people's minds. I don't know if it would have been any more plausible than any other twist in this movie. But yeah, this just feels like a lazy grafting of what Kevin Spacey did. You know, Kevin Spacey, sorry, spoiler alert, he narrates the entire <laughs> usual Suspects, and it turns out he's not who he claims to be by the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, I wonder, based upon all this, if in some draft of the film, Braga mattered, you know, there was a Braga from something else, maybe Vince again, you know, I keep going back to them, maybe somebody from a previous film, but the way this plays out, it feels like a mystery with no purpose, and it's really completely unimportant and underwhelming, as is, I've got to say, the entire second half of this film, I mean... They keep getting into this drug dealer investigation, and I'm as excited as I was during part two. I kind of like the GPS race, but after the GPS race, there's really not a whole lot going on, and the storytelling's even kind of disjointed. They're doing this race through the mines. It looks like it's an outtake from Phantom Menace's pod race, and when they get across the border, just like in part two, they're going to just shoot the drivers versus paying them.
2: Yeah, this is a remake. That's what I'm saying. That two doesn't count. Please, please don't count. (laughs) But yeah, again, this to me, I'm looking at this as an action movie. There's a lot. Come on, Arnie. There's a lot of CGI, right? Like this whole thing in the mines, there's nothing real there. There's no practical effects, which... I do feel hurt at even you know the minecart scene in Temple of Doom. Yeah, that was all puppetry, but it gave it a physicality. A lot of the CGI here, I, I want that to be exciting when they're going through the mines. It doesn't feel that great though. It. But I do like Dom, like the way he's gonna get back is blow up every car by like leaking the nitrous and then popping in the cigarette lighter, which seems weird. They'd put that little detail into a car meant to drive really fast. That you, I don't even think you can get cigarette lighters in cars anymore. But where
1: are you gonna charge your iPhone while you're drag racing?
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> It's awfully convenient. We must admit that, okay, yes, Dom does not care about this drug running. He is basically enlisted as a driver because he's trying to get Letty's murderer. It's awfully convenient that Letty's murderer is the boss of this drug cartel. I mean, an incredible, ridiculous coincidence, yes?
1: No, this makes perfect sense because she was running the drug. She was infiltrating them just like they did and since they always killed the drivers she did a run not realizing she was going to be killed at the end figuring she'd report back to brian and when they tried to shoot her she tried to flee and that's why they chased her down and shot her so phoenix is just braga's executioner the drivers drive and then phoenix kills them and then they go hire more drivers. But she crossed the Mexican border and didn't check in with Brian? She had just gotten back.
3: Um this seems to me like something you'd uh, relay on cell phone. You wouldn't wait to like have a a, a night to yourself. But w- whatever. Okay. I you you're, you're explaining that makes a lot more sense to me. You know, the fact that the problem is we're told about Letty's informant behavior, but we really don't see much of it. So
1: Yeah, you just have to infer. I mean, did Brian or Dom have a chance to check in with the FBI after running this heroin? I mean, the minute they get across the border, they're killed. It is a really bad employment benefit plan.
3: I guess the problem is that where they shot Letty being killed, it, to me, I know where that is, and it's nowhere near the border. So I'm like, you'd have to drive five hours to get there.
1: Okay, it was supposed to be a quick chase, so... So it wasn't supposed to be that far away.
3: Okay. All right. That helps. I didn't realize that. Like I said, I thought she somehow got to Griffith Park.
1: I don't mind the CGI in this race through the tunnels. I think it adds a nice visual flair. There's not a whole lot of CGI. Those are real cars in real staged tunnels. But yeah, any of the crashes and things are CGI.
2: I guess the problem is it's all this whole drive through the desert is in the dark. They have their lights off. Like it, it was hard for me to even see what was going on a lot of this time.
1: Yeah. And I would found myself completely uninterested. I don't care about them pulling this Bad Boys 2 kind of plot. And yes, in Bad Boys 2, it's the same freaking plot where they have to go to an international country to bring back the criminal who escaped them.
3: I think the only thing that it could actually serve that people might care about is, for the moment, it looks like now these two... Former frenemies are more friends than enemies, right? That basically Dom gets injured and he needs to rely on Brian to get him to Mia.
1: The best line in this movie, it's just one line, is when Brian gets to flip it and now Dom owes him a 10 second car.
2: Yeah. That was cute. I do like the moment that dom he got shot in the shoulder, and he (laughs) he doesn't even react. He just, like, turns around. Like, I didn't even realize what happened at first. I had to rewind it, because he just, like, plays it off like someone threw a rock at him.
1: Yeah, it's like he's the Hulk. Like, you shoot him, and it just makes him angrier, and the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets. Never any taller, but stronger.
3: And the way it's shaken out is that, well, of course, Dom's fine, and the cops want Brian to bring him in, but Brian feels like they need Dom in order to draw out the person that everybody wants, Braga. They have the heroin still in their trunk, and Braga is going to want that, and so they need Dom and Brian to be there requesting his presence when they... Exchange money for drugs.
1: And let's not forget the artificial ticking clock that's been introduced where if they don't get Braga today, some higher ups at the FBI who get a cameo are going to pull the plug on the entire (laughs) Braga operation because you spent so long on it that now we're just going to give the fuck up.
3: Yeah, all they had to do was show that they had made progress. I would say having trunk loads of heroin was doing pretty good. I I think you don't pull the plug on that operation at that point.
2: Even more maddening is when they finally go to do this exchange, the FBI does what customs did in part two. Like that's, I'm saying this is an exact <laughs> copy of that script. They go in early. They don't wait the 10 seconds for this fax to come over that will show the face of Braga. They, they jump the gun and we find out about that whole twist that Campos is really Braga. Like, come on guys, just a little patient. Like literally they had to wait 10 seconds.
1: And unbelievably, Chris Morgan did not write part two. He is not just cribbing off himself. Is it coincidence? Is it just these are the tropes you go to? I don't know, but I agree. I was getting so much too fast, too furious off of this that it's insane. But we can agree this is much
3: better done than that. Oh, way
2: better. This is the sequel. I don't know if it's the sequel I wanted, but this is the right direction for a sequel to that first film.
3: We all agree. I'm going to keep my final recommend in check. I'm I'm not saying I'm endorsing the movie by saying that this is, yes, part two done better, if not correctly. It is (laughs) the movie that part two should have been and was so abysmally awful at.
1: If it only had Suki. I will agree with that. There was, And that is important.
3: There were more likable supporting characters in the periphery of part two than this one. And that way, part two was better than this one. I don't really care about Trin and the mean boss and all the people that Brian checks in with when he goes to work.
1: Yeah, even the FBI guy who was in part one and part two was a more likable presence than any of these faceless suits in the movie, and I mean, Brian even beats one up and still has his job, I mean, he beats the crap out of one to where next time we see him, he's got like a swollen nose and two black eyes, and
2: his boss is just like, this isn't the Boy Scouts I do miss the presence of Ludacris or Suki, there's Han, Letty, Dom, and then like two other guys who I think are joining Mia and Brian at the end to go save Dom? They are, yeah. That's that's them. I was totally confused. I'm like, who are those guys? Are just random people? They join, yeah. To have. A couple fun characters on the periphery that come in and out that are part of Dom's crew or whoever. That that would have been nice. I I don't want to say this one's dark and heavy feeling, but there is a more serious tone here, and it would have been nice to have a couple more lighter moments. I mean, I don't want a joyless Fast and Furious.
1: Yeah, when you have a Vin Diesel Jesus movie, it's going to be a little
2: more somber. There's still booty shorts in it, though. (laughs) Yeah, the redemption element becomes really heavy
3: here. In this climax, when the sting goes bad and they get away and Dom has to go to Mexico and Brian decides to go along with them, they're paying this as a suicide mission. This is Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. They're going to get the bad guys, but they're not going to live. And they're willing to do that.
2: I like that. I got a Western vibe off of this. Last week, we went to Japan. We're going down to Mexico. I like some spaghetti Westerns. Not all of them. But I did like kind of having that Western vibe here. I couldn't believe, though. I could not believe when Brian's like, this is where my jurisdiction ends. And I'm like, don't say it, Vin. Don't say it. And then he did. (laughs) And this is where mine begins.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those lines that he didn't need to say. And yet he said it anyway. I didn't take it as a suicide mission. I really didn't. I took it as this is past the point of no return. I thought that, Ryan, this was the point where he's no longer an FBI agent, you know? It's kind of like a lethal weapon. He's not a cop today. And remember, this whole time, Vin's been saying, I'm going to kill him. So I thought... That what they were really giving up was their souls, not their lives. I don't think they would have gone on a suicide mission because they just want to get him. I think that this is the point where they just go to the dark side. This is the darkest moment. And then later on, somehow Vin changes his mind and is like, no, we're just going to take you back and arrest you.
2: (laughs) After he kills the guy, after he gets his revenge. No,
3: but Dom is standing in a gravesite saying, I don't plan on bringing anyone back.
1: Yeah, meaning he's going to kill Braga and kill Phoenix and kill everyone and wondering if Brian can go along with the murder. Why would he not come back
3: to L.A. afterwards? Because he's a wanted man. No, because he's dead.
1: No, I didn't take it that way.
3: And they turned it out with Mia. She's like, I don't know how to say goodbye to my brother. He would come back for Mia if he were still alive. He didn't come back from the Dominican. She got a medical degree. Maybe he's just confused and thought she had turned into Demi Moore. I certainly did. (laughs)
1: No, I just didn't take it that way. You know, I don't think this movie ever got that level of dark. When he said, I'm not bringing anyone back, it meant he was going on a kill spree. And can Brian go along with that?
2: Yeah, to me, this was about giving up the law. Brian's been looking for that code. It's not with the law. It's not with the FBI. It's this street code, if you will, whatever Dom lives by. And so, yeah, they're going to go and they're going to (laughs) kill.
1: Live by the wrench, die by the wrench
2: they have that line in here that'd be a great line for a fast furious Jeez. Movie. <laughs> it really would be <laughs> great again that word great <laughs> for a fast and furious movie come on read in the context <laughs> yeah it should never be you can't use great for anything with this franchise apparently
1: no you really can't you really nothing is great oh the soundtrack is great they put pitbull front and center after his buried track on part two blanco blanco that's great I love Pitbull. <laughs> and if you don't, it's going down. We
3: can settle that race another time, but <laughs> i it, it's on because I, I do not like Pitbull.
2: You know, Dom and Brian, they know where Campo slash Braga is because of Giselle. She comes back. Remember her? during that shootout when the FBI came in early, Dom did save her from Braga almost ran her down during that whole shootout with the FBI and he saved her, so I guess that was enough for her to turn coat and let them know where Braga was so they could go and presumably kill him. And I, I love this detail where you get to Braga, he's going to a church, he's giving this priest who knows millions of dollars so he can get forgiveness. Like, Stuart, you talked about the Tabasco sauce last week in the car. Like I like those kind of Corny, campy, weird little details in a B film, like with the villain who he's got to go to church still and get forgiven. I wish that would have played up more throughout this film, that that was a thing that Braga always wanted was forgiveness. Now it's just a weird little detail to make this ending seem more convenient for a way for Dom and Brian to capture him.
1: To me, it felt so stereotypical. Oh, yes, he's Hispanic. He must be Catholic. (laughs) No matter what drugs he runs, he's got to praise Jesus because that's what Hispanics do.
3: Well, it it may not be totally about redemption of his soul. That may also be where he's stashing the drugs. It, It may just be a warehouse to him. But yes, in this end, we're supposed to believe that we're supposed to question, really, whether Dom is just as bad as Braga. (laughs) which I laugh at. And yeah, can either of these men be redeemed, which we know
2: Braga cannot. I mean, (laughs)
3: these are ridiculous questions.
2: I think that is the joke. I don't think anyone thinks that. That is the joke. He's paying off the priest for forgiveness. There, there is no real redemption
1: for Isn't him. that how the church works? I mean, it, there was that... I'm,
2: I'm not going to get into that kind of commentary. <laughs> I'm leaving that open-ended, but... Well, there was that religious thing.
1: I forget what it was even called, where you'd pay for your forgiveness back in medieval times.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, we could talk about the Godfather and I could treat this conversation with a degree <laughs> of seriousness. That, that That is the theme for the... That series. But to tell me that Fast and the Furious 4 is going to aspire to that in this moment at the end is... And, you know, that bus left years ago. There's just no way I'm going to buy into that kind of dramatic scenario here. But is it fun for a B-movie? Well, it gives this movie some kind of gravitas here at the end,
1: but I don't buy it. The chase at the end is certainly frantic. I mean... I don't know that I can follow everything that's going on. At one point, Dom actually jumps out of one moving car and into another moving
2: car. It gets very Speed Racer to me, which I... For those who heard that review, I enjoyed that film. This is like Speed Racer meets the Death Star Trench Run going through these mines. Yeah, it's hard to follow along everything, but I do like, you know, it's not just cars driving straight through like we saw previously. Now they're smashing and weaving in and out of poles and crashing and blowing up. This is more fun to me, even though, again, it's relying on CGI. I'm enjoying this stuff more.
3: I like Dom's chase more when it was short round on a railway car, but they've gotten (laughs) away from that kind of Justin Lin chase that I enjoyed in the last movie. I mean, as a climax goes, this feels pretty rote. Basically, they're setting it up so that Brian gets flipped exactly in the same way that Letty did. He's about to be killed by Phoenix in exactly the same way. And Dom can both kill this guy and stop another Letty- inspired murder
1: you know jacob i couldn't put my finger on why this chase wasn't working for me it's not the cgi because i can't tell when it goes to cgi the opening i could so tell when it went to cgi i could tell every minute of cgi during that tanker chase but it was still the most exciting thing. In this tunnel, I can't tell when they go to CGI, but you pegged it for me when you mentioned the first tunnel chase. You can't see it. And if you can't see it and you can't get those wide shots of the cars speeding past the camera lens and really feel the speed, then that race doesn't work. And that's what's hurting this one is you're not getting any wide shots. You're just getting all these close-up shots of cars, close-up shots of the drivers and cars that obviously aren't moving. and that is what's taking all of the energy out of this. The movie's called Fast and Furious. There's nothing that's adrenalizing me or feeling very furious in this ending.
2: Well, it's just random Fast and Furious people. These aren't the Fast and the Furious ones. It's just random Fast and Furious. Uh, (laughs) I heard
1: that explanation on the DVD that Paul Walker was fast and Vin Diesel was furious, so...
2: (laughs) I... Don't need that detail. Nor do I want to hear that. (laughs) That does not help. (laughs) I do like Dom. Like, he does does it earlier when he's racing to get into this gang, like, where he pops a wheelie with his car. He's got that American muscle car, and he pulls out like that. And I do love when he comes out of that tunnel. Like, he's on those back wheels. He's doing that wheeling and pins Phoenix. Like, little details like that I enjoy. I'm not looking for high art here. I'm looking for, can this be a little bit more gratuitous? It can't be too gratuitous because it's not R-rated, but can it be... A little gratuitous and a little more fun than than just a a typical drag racing film, which didn't really work for me when this franchise wanted to be that.
3: And it is the same car from the first movie that killed his father, right? It had been
1: rehabbed by Letty, I think was a drop line. He blew up with the first car he was driving here, jumped into a second random car, popped a wheelie on that one. But that's his signature move. That's his version of the crane kick. If you remember when he raced Brian and they raced past that train, he popped a wheelie there. And so he pops the wheelie a couple times here. It's just what Dom does. But yeah, Phoenix gets killed and Braga gets turned over to the cops who are going to... Does it matter that illegal extradition was done by an FBI officer? I think that might help with the defense a bit. Don't ask these questions.
2: Yeah, I was worried about the legality here, because that, I don't know if... Yeah, his cut being taken into custody was legal. Maybe, maybe Dom took the rap. Maybe if just a random civilian did that, then they could arrest him. Maybe that's why the judge was so harsh on him.
3: Yeah, right. They, what we do? The deleted scene is that. Yeah, they had to let Arturo go. That would that would make more sense. Why Dom goes up the river? There's no reason why they can't honor their word and get him off the charges he did what they asked him to do but again we're not to like the cops the cops are duplicitous the cops betray you we want brian to break from the feds because well we want him to be a street racer at heart we don't want him to be a drug dealer we don't want him to be a lawman
2: you know what really sells don't trust authority don't be with the fbi brian get away from them is this judge he's such a dick like dom's getting sentenced and he's like yeah it's really great what you did you brought this drug dealer that's a really bad guy and that's really commendable and thanks a lot but on the other hand i'm giving you the harshest sentence possible 25 to life without the possibility of parole not even the possibility of parole like he gives him the hardest sentence he can yeah who wants to be a part of that system
1: but you know what if you look at the theme of this movie about redemption and atonement what (sighs) the judge says is that one good deed can't make up for all the bad acts now there's two ways you can look that at that was this. a
2: big good deed though
1: but there's two ways you can look at this first of all if vin is jesus then he has to be tried and crucified
2: <laughs> let's not do that
1: but the other way which is also a catholic way of looking at it is according to the catholic doctrine you could do all kinds of bad shit and then ask for forgiveness and get a blank check and the judge is going, no, it doesn't work that way. So it could be a commentary on Catholic confession.
2: That, I think that's just as pretentious as saying this is about Jesus.
3: But it does assuredly is keep Dom an outlaw for the rest of this series. And I think that that's the way they want to leave it. They, yeah, he should have been exonerated. He should be getting a pass and slapping backs with everybody at the end of this as they drink at the old house. But no, they, by having him go up the river and forcing Brian to become an outlaw, they've now set up the characters for where I think they've always wanted to have them.
2: And you know what? I like this. Ed- I smiled when you see those three cars come and surround that prison bus. And, and it's Brian and Mia and then those two other guys who I didn't remember from the beginning. You should have got Ludacris and Suki. <laughs> I would have remembered them.
1: Or Han and Vince or Well, something. Han's dead, Han dead. figured. Yarny. No, this is yeah, all he's got-
2: pre-three. Uh, well, I maybe we'll find out next week. But I like this ending. Like, c- coming to this franchise, I'm like, ooh, I want to see Five now. I do want to see where this picks up because th- the tone's better here and I like these characters more in this film than I've liked them, um, well, I guess really only one. I can compare all these characters together. But I-, I like this ending. It got me excited. Even if it was a teaser, even if this was how the franchise was going to end, like, it, it- it's a good note to end on.
1: I'll agree that I like this movie bookending. It starts with the hijacking of the gasoline. It's going to end with the hijacking of a prison bus to free Dom. I like that. I don't know that those two buffoons who they made fun of during the opening chase because they couldn't get a latch on, plus Mia, who's never been involved in a theft in her life.
2: Yes, she's a drag racer all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. And then Brian, who has also never been involved in a hijacking, I don't know if this crew can actually pull it off. There's not a single experienced, qualified thief among them. But I did like it. I mean, it's ridiculous and stupid, but yet it's what I want this movie to end on, is Brian is now a full part of the gang. But is it enough? Jacob, Stewart, do you recommend Fast and Furious. Not the Fast and the Furious, or Too Fast, Too Furious, but Fast and Furious. Jacob?
2: You know, this is where I really struggled with the format of our podcast. Like, out of the four films I've watched with the words Fast and Furious in them, (laughs) all in different arrangements and, and different numbers, but... This is the best one to me. Like, I like the characters more here. The action is better. I love the opening. It's, it's a better story than I've seen in the other films. It's had the drama elements. There was tension. Not that, Stuart, to just to ease you, not that any of it is great, but (laughs) it is at an acceptable level for this type of PG 13 drag racing action film. I think. It's firing on all cylinders as far as taking it in context with the franchise. So I, I would give it a recommend there. Thinking about it on its own, would I recommend this if like I just happened to watch this one and I wasn't invested in learning about these characters or the continuity? I think I would. Again, it's not great. It's a light green arrow. It's faint. It's a weak recommend, but. I found myself more invested here. I I liked the tension. I liked the conflicts in this film. I liked the action in this film. There are slow moments, Arnie. I do agree with you there. But even that last chase in the mines, there's exciting moments where they're jumping between cars and that. So yeah, it's a weak recommend for me.
1: And with that, all three hosts have recommended one film in the series. (laughs) But only one. Not uh, any
3: kind of uh, hand-wringing for me on this. This is a red arrow. I thought this was a really bad TV episode on a very expensive budget. The problem is, you know, I get lightweight fantasy. I can go along with it. I've recommended James Bond movies that are just as stupid as this, The problem is, I don't like these ingredients. I don't like Brian and I don't like Dom. And I thought this movie might fix this, but it it really didn't. I did not like these characters then or now. And, you know, it just ultimately becomes a rather empty car show. I mean, the music to me is lame. The villain is boring. Most of the chases other than the opening are boring. It may be the best of the three Paul Walker movies that is a low low bar that to me that that's not enough last week i actually felt like it was a guilty pleasure good b movie this is this is just a bad movie and i have no problem giving it a red arrow
1: and i came in and my memory of the fast and furious series is that it was the anti trek where the odd numbered ones were the surprisingly good ones and the even numbered ones were utter dreck but i haven't rewatched any of these since My original watching, I did see this in theaters, the one and only time I'd seen it. And I remember walking out of that theater going, yeah, they were back. Didn't make a better movie, but they were back. And coming back out, I wanted to reevaluate. And because I'm watching these back to back, I think I am more invested in the characters than I am when it had been eight years since I'd seen them last. I like... These ingredients. I'm the exact opposite of where you're standing, Stuart, in that I like Brian, Dom, Mia, and Letty. May she rest in peace. But I don't like where they're used in this film. This one was tedious. I don't think there was enough car action. There was too much Too Fast, Too Furious just redone and not much better. This is better than Too Fast, Too Furious, but not by a 10 second quarter mile. So I'm going to give this a weak not recommend. I just can't bring myself to say this one is really worth the time because it's an almost two-hour movie that has maybe 20 minutes of good. What I do recommend is watch the opening. The opening's fucking phenomenal. And after that, kind of go.
3: I'm with you on that. But boy, are we full of surprises. I would never think that you were going to red arrow this and Jacob was going to green arrow this. This is who knows where we're going to go next. This is crazy.
2: I'm excited. Next week, that's the one. Arnie's promised it. My brother has promised. This is the one I'm going to be excited about. Yeah, well. It's going to be great.
1: (laughs) They didn't think they were going to make another one. This one. When they got everyone on board, they said this was going to be the last one, and then they were all a little surprised that they ended it on this kind of open ending, but this thing grossed $72 on its opening weekend, having the biggest April debut ever, beating Anger Management, that Jack Nicholson, Adam Sandler (laughs) comedy was the previous record holder. It had the biggest three-day opening ever for Universal Pictures, beating the second Jurassic Park film. So... Yeah, once Universal did this, this was the first Fast and Furious movie to make more money than the original. And every movie after this one has made more money still. So this is why now every other year we're getting a Fast and Furious movie.
3: It's the thunderball of the series. I I kind of get it, and yet it's weird to me because I don't even remember this movie coming out. I don't remember anyone talking about it. Arnie, even you, I don't think we ever discussed Fast and the Furious. I can't remember you being excited for this.
1: I wouldn't say excited at all. Otherwise, we would have done a retrospective series. This was back (laughs) when we were doing Friday the 13th and Terminator and Star Trek. Yeah. And I was far more excited for those films. But I did go see this opening weekend. I was part of that record-setting opening weekend gross. But I walked out going, yeah. And if they hadn't made another one, I wouldn't have been disappointed. But in the next one, I don't know that I would have seen the next one in theaters except the trailers look good, and they added yet another new ingredient, The Rock. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, The Rock is in the next one, and that was heavily promoted in the trailers, and I'm like, Vin Diesel, The Rock, racing cars. It pulled me in. The trailers pulled me in, and so in 2011, April again, I was back opening weekend and walked out of that theater going, damn it, we should have done a retrospective. it took four years to get to it but it was fast five that made me just start i put the pedal to the metal when six came around it's just like can't fit into the schedule hint hint don't want to do it
3: It is hard to fit uh, longer retrospectives in. We did luck out in that they're releasing this in April. I don't know that we could have put it in our summer 2015 lineup. But you know what? I- I'm largely a grouse on this series, but I have given a green arrow. If it's half as good as you were implying, there could be another green arrow for this series next week.
1: I just hope it doesn't suffer the damnation of high expectations. <laughs> oh, it
3: can't. Believe me, I don't have high expectations. <laughs> I have the expectations that it won't be as bad as many of the films I've seen so far.
1: Well, we'll find out next week with Fast Five. But you know what else is coming, Fast and Furious, is the end of our Kickstarter campaign to write the first now-playing book. And let me just say from the heart to, as of this recording, the 915 people who have come out and pledged money to this campaign, thank you so much.
3: The response has been overwhelming incredible.
2: It blows me away how much all of our listeners has responded to this. I I, I was blown away when we had $100 in pledges and that we have blown our goal away by such a large amount. We're looking to, to really make this the best product possible. I think better than we had originally planned because we are just, just so humbled by the overwhelming response of support we've gotten.
1: Yeah, we just want to make this the best book possible for all of you who have shown such incredible faith in us to pledge so much money. And we'll tell you right here that we are really close to 90000 And if we hit that, we're doing the audiobook, Stretch Goal or No. Everybody, you guys who have supported us deserve that. You've shown you guys really want the audiobook. We're going to make that happen.
3: Absolutely. And we'll know when we have the final dollar amount on Thursday. What we have in front of us, but I know what we've been given. We are going to have a lot of resources because of you to give a great product. That makes me excited, makes me a little nervous. The pressure's on, uh, but really, mostly, I'm just very blessed and humbled by support and feel like I want to do a good enough job to merit what you guys have given us.
1: So, thank you all. We really appreciate it. We are already starting the writing. We are going to do the best we can to live up to your every expectation. And we hope next week's movie does everything to live up to our expectations. So we'll be back next week with Fast Five, because that's how we roll.
2: Father,
0: thank you the gathering of
2: friends father we give thanks for all the choices we've made because that's what makes us who we are let us forever cherish the loved ones we've lost along the way
0: and most of all thank you for fast cars thank you for listening to this episode of now playing and we hope you've enjoyed the show you tell your boss exactly who did this tell him there's more coming Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another Fast and Furious movie review. You gotta get out of here. I ain't running anymore. Also at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find more movie reviews, including Pitch Black, Rambo, RoboCop, The Avengers, and hundreds more. You say what? This just went from Mission Impossible to Mission and Freaking Sanity. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss this review with other listeners. You're
1: in. There's always room for family.
0: You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, where we post announcements of new episodes, and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews.
3: I like a whole lot of vaginal activity to me.
0: Links to our social media pages are at NowPlayingPodcast.com. See exclusive videos and interviews on the Now Playing Podcast YouTube channel. You can find the link on our homepage. I'll see you soon, Toronto. Your pockets ain't nervous. Ours are empty. We hungry. Now Playing is an independent podcast with no sponsors or ads. It's donations from listeners like you that keep Now Playing on the air.
1: We got the best crew in the world standing right in front of you. Give
0: them a reason to stay. You can give money by clicking the support link at the top of NowPlayingPodcast.com. You don't realize how much you appreciate something until somebody takes it away. Everybody take a real good look. This is what you call mutual respect. Aww. All right, let's clear out. Anybody down for somebody? Now Playing's Fast and Furious series is edited by Heath, Casper, and Arnie. Let's put all this mess back together. That's going to take a while, then you better get started. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. Why me? Because you got the biggest mouth. That's for damn sure. Now Playing is not affiliated with Universal Pictures or the makers or distributors of these films. The film discussed in this podcast is the intellectual property of his copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. You
2: see, I got a problem with authority.
0: The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Just because you know how I ride doesn't mean you know me.
1: Show me how you drive, I'll show you who
0: you are. Now playing as a Vinganza Media Production Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated.
1: Money will come and go. We know that. The most important thing in life will always be the people in this room. Right here. Right now. Salute me, familia. Starring Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez. Why do I always do that to her name? I do not know. It, it's actually <laughs> not a conscious thing. It's just the Latin in me coming out. There you go.
3: This is going to be what brings Brian and I can never remember his name. Dom. Yeah. Dom. This is. Dom. Is it? See, I I can't even remember the characters. Dominic's real right names. Yeah. It it is Brian and Dom mm-hmm. and Paul. I just and keep ben.
1: thinking it's Brian Walker though. Yeah, no, it's impossible.
2: I know. I I can't never remember his last name in this film.
1: I don't know if you guys have ever had this, but you ever have somebody you just have a lot of tension with and you get into a massive fistfight and afterwards you're bros because you worked it out? Yeah. Arnie, you brought up this
3: motif before. No, who are you fighting?
2: <laughs> no, you're so wrong, Stuart. I remember this happened in junior high all the time with me. You're, you're you get in a fight with someone, you punch each other up, and then you're like best friends afterwards. I I, I just think that's how guys are. Like you, gain you gotta respect. measure your dicks, yeah, and then you respect each other.
3: Yeah. I no, I I understand that as a, a character development. It's just Arnie keeps insisting that this is his life. <laughs>
2: It is. I, I don't know if it's Arnie's life specifically, but I I, I relate to it. <laughs> yeah,
3: you don't know Arnie that way, and neither do I. The actually, Arnie, that's not Stuart, true. Remember,
1: remember the Mass Murders? that's all I gotta say.
3: True. There actually was a time when Arnie would, uh, yes, beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> that is so so true. I guess I get yeah. And we are friends doing a podcast <laughs> decades later, so it it all makes sense. No problems. <laughs> but however you felt about too fast too furious this is furious furious that's a
2: whole different thing yeah i guess
3: it would be
1: blanco now i put it in my head have it all night. Unfortunately, that was the menu song, so I heard it between every bonus feature.
3: And I unfortunately uh, was too lazy to get up and change the remote, and I remember my roommate slamming the door because I let it go on (laughs) for five minutes.
1: I did that one time. I was listening to a director's commentary. I think it was for chasing... No, it was for RoboCop. And I just cranked the volume and then went and took a bath so I could listen to it in the bathtub, and then I stayed in the bathtub and the RoboCop theme played for like an hour.
3: (laughs) Yeah it's not something you necessarily want to hear on a five minute loop.